watch movies or TV shows If that's what you like You a stupid hoe With a book house kids Yeah, with a book house kids With a book house kids Bitch Bookhouse Kids, mm. back in your life. I am your host, Caleb Gross, joined here as always by Mr. Studio Girl, Jonathan O'Neill. Good afternoon. How are you? It's me, Jono. Oh, but is it Jono or Wano? No, it's Jono. I am here to talk about books today. All right. Well, it sounds like Jono developed an accent <clears throat> since the last episode. Sorry. And that's I, all right. I was. Oh, is Jono uh, back? Yeah, it's something in my throat. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. I'm just back. had to get it out. Yeah. Okay. And this week's episode, we're going to talk about Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. What a fucking book, man. It is a masterpiece. Beautiful and infuriating. Infuriating. <laughs> yeah, I think this book's been pissing people off since it was released in 1939. Just because it is like, it, it's a definition of capitalism gone wrong. Yeah, everything that's wrong about capitalism and how it, it failed the economy in the 30s, pretty much. like, And then the aftermath of people that suffered, you know, like the Joads in this situation. So, or, I mean, the entirety of the Okies. The entirety know? of all the goddamn Okies. Get yeah. off my lawn, Okies. Oh, that's how you would treat them, huh, Jono? You would be would like be, one of the, I'd uh, be the a very rich orchard owner. Yeah, I'd be stuck up California. I'd be like, get off my property. You'd go back to Oklahoma, stupid Okie. But anyways. Yeah, and real quick before we dive in too deep, just for anybody who hasn't read the book that's listening, first of all, go read the fucking book, Quit Being Lazy. <laughs> Secondly, this book is about the Jode family. They're forced from Oklahoma to uh, go to California because the Dust Bowl happened. Therefore, you know, forcing the farmers out because the banks were taking over the farms. And they went to California in search of greener pastures. Yeah. I mean, this is all stuff people probably learned in history, but um, it's kind of like a, just a big drama about a family that's going through it, essentially. And it shows you like the struggles of the time period and the everything that they went through, the yeah. Jode family. But the way that it's written is so beautiful and it's it's poetic and um it really surprised me actually i mean uh my my venture into steinbeck really has just been like most everyone else you know i read of mice and men in high school yeah same here yeah and so like i picked up grapes of wrath not really expecting that much but i mean i've always heard it's a classic you know so i just wanted to read it and you you recommended it to me right after you finished um i started reading it and from the first chapter i knew that it was a book for me his writing is fucking beautiful he's one of those authors i think you can agree on this that we don't talk about enough because he is so revered and Mm -hmm. he's known as like one of the best authors all time so we'll always talk about you know other people that are doing things of lesser value and then you do read one of these like true wordsmiths books yeah because i mean it's pretty obvious out there everyone you know really that reads books knows that steinbeck is you know a master of of his work you know so i mean it's to, to delve into something like grapes of grapes of wrath is kind of like uh you know just something that a lot of people look into but we're going to talk about it and just you know yeah and i would say john like i don't know if you would agree with this but i'd say this is like his magnum opus like the best project he's put out so far i mean there's a lot of other books he's written i really want to read east of eden uh, yeah and i i do fall victim to that with you know only of reading of mice and men beforehand but i if he writes better books than this then yeah, god damn it I, yeah i mean i've heard i don't know what i do. damn good 
yeah uh, so we'll, we'll have to try it out we'll get we'll get that one uh on the pod here sometime yeah. so anyways the yeah this book like i said fucking it pisses you off so so fucking bad yeah it's horrible and, because uh, you see a lower class family forced out of their home by the bank that took over their farm which is already a frustrating idea and then they go to california which everyone else in the nation is doing everyone thinks that california is just heaven like on earth dream, that they're the gonna American go there dream, yeah, yeah that it's just gonna be green fields and picking apples getting paid enough money to where they're able to support their whole family Mm -hmm. and you watch this family who's already been just ruined by financial travesty yeah go there with next to nothing and find nothing when they get there when they had it completely well off before this happened really they had their own land in oklahoma and whatnot and then well uncle john did he still own his farm when they left the farm i don't i think he did i think he did too yeah i think so Um, the jode family was forced out and they bunked up with uncle john yeah they lived with him until uh they were planning to move to california and then uh tom jode has like a surprise and can you you blame them though for wanting to go to california because in the in the book and in the story they were uh there were pamphlets going around about how much work there is in california and how people are needed yeah and that's what led the nation to rush out there and that's what led the farmers to be able to employ them for next to nothing they had so many able and willing bodies that would work just for fucking food and it's crazy because like people in our own country were like treating people from different states like you know like fucking foreigners like you okies yeah like, what referring are you doing to them here? as okies that was what they would call all of these like, uh all the farm people that would go out there because they're all coming from the midwest didn't matter if you're from oklahoma or not yeah you were an okie yeah it's yeah anyone from that area is just an okie it's pretty ridiculous and um and you talk about police brutality holy shit man yeah this book is insane like yeah it's uh it is it is very uh very tough especially with the way they enforce the people but I mean, it all plays hand in hand with the idea of having all these people travel out here for cheap work, cheap labor. This Mm. is the repercussions of their actions, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is what happens when, um, I guess when the uh, big brother takes over the farm, I guess. When big brother does the only, you could could tie George Orwell with my boy Steinbeck. Like this whole book is almost like the ministry of plenty uh idealized into like a the, the whole uh story essentially and it is true the idea like, of keeping people that are willing and able to work so therefore you're always able to lower the costs and mm-hmm. you, there's oh, never enough but there is enough you know throwing away perfectly good food like so much good food oh god it wasn't not so frustrating oh, when they would uh, drop the peaches into the boxes and they'd have to throw out the bruised peaches Mm -hmm. and like like a lot of this stuff i did not know about prior to reading this book and um no it was a history lesson yeah yeah it's like a history lesson as well it may be a fictional book and these are fictional characters but this is exactly what fucking happened in the time period and you know the the way that he ties in the kind of uh what was going on in the history of that time period is so well done. Like, I love how he like has those chapters where he explains what's going on in that time. And then he kind of masterfully written. Yeah. It's almost, it feels like setting the scene song lyric, you know, just like kind of segues. And you talked to me too about like with the way the book made you feel after you finished it as if it like, it's a movie because the characters are so developed. Yeah. You just feel so much, so much sympathy and, and and you empathize with the characters so much that you it feels like you just finished watching a movie like i've never had that experience before with a book i, I felt just complete uh yeah i don't know like, and speaking of the characters here we haven't really introduced anybody so we'll real quick just run through the family list we had uh tom jode he is the protagonist of the book yeah a um 
a felon out on parole. He killed a man in self-defense, yep. but he did kill him all the same. You have uh, Ma Jode. She is the matriarch of the family, controls everybody, really is what holds them together through the trying times. She was always the strongest of them all. You get the sense. Yeah. Her and her and Tom. Tom was also a very, uh, you know, a strong guy, really leading everybody by example. Yeah. I mean, like once he came back from parole, they kind of looked up to him, you know, as, uh, you know, as a person that could help them out more too i guess yeah. but uh yeah you're right though. and to just real quick rattle through the rest of the family you have paul jode uncle john jim casey who is a preacher who goes along with them al jode rosa sharon who is pregnant going through these trying times connie rivers rosa sharon's husband you have noah jode grandpa jode grandma jode and ruthie and winfield jode so uh, they rolled a california fucking a deep shit. as shit huh yeah <laughs> They they said let's pack up the whole fam damnly and get in the car. <laughs> the whole fam damnly. <laughs> yeah, so they go out with the that damnly out to the Californian uh, great land, you know. But uh, you know, a lot of shit happens on the way there. You God, know? a lot of shit happens. So yeah, and they it's, leave as it's this, pretty fucked up. And they depressing. leave as this giant group, and you can't help but love these characters when you're reading. Oh my the book. god! First of all, yeah. the, the language they speak in it, and all the uh, colloquialisms they use, and the way it's, that they use the slang, they're just real people. Yeah, exactly. They're and, just real fucking people and it's not that you know you're reading this and you're thinking oh wow they sound so ignorant you're reading it it makes no. it so enduring endearing you know, uh, because yeah. this is the way that they would have talked it's crazy because i i actually don't really like that accent that much but when i read the book just like the way but that no first you gotta first you gotta go do this <laughs> i don't know i can't do that accent the first <laughs> the first the first but uh yeah the accent is kind of like it took a while for me to get used to but uh, you grow what, to appreciate it what, exactly like the, yeah. the, i fucking loved the character and it sets a tone too whenever and, you're reading a book and the characters speak in a, like a very authentic manner it always feels more believable oh yeah and that's yeah. The, what like steinbeck's dialogue in this book is just fucking great mm -hmm. and so we were talking about first you know them, the first the first priority <laughs> so we were talking about uh the way that the uh family came out here and them losing people but we didn't mention like how this all went down so you had grandpa jode was the first to bite the dust yeah he, he didn't want to leave the land almost immediately after hitting the road he passed away what did they didn't what did they do to him to get they him just to go? oh they had they, to, they, yeah they, they had to drug him. drug him up yeah yeah right. they had to drug him tom had to <laughs> knock out uncle john once to get him in the truck yeah do you remember that yeah. when they were down by the river and That's tom right. just teed off on his ass yeah because he was getting drunk and uh playing guitar and just like and he was refusing to leave the river so tom had to knock his old ass out yeah so john has like a pretty uh pretty rough backstory though yeah john uh, does but let's uh let's go back to grandpa joe so grandpa yeah. joe died never wanted to leave the land um grandma joe died not long after and the another part that's so, so yeah oh, it's, yeah it's fucking tough and like that kind of brings me to the point i was trying to make here is uh the way that they would like handle the deaths is just crazy because this is a family with nothing living on the road they're living out of a tent and their truck and when grandpa joe died they just had to bury him unmarked grave they yep. were scared they might get in trouble for not dropping him off somewhere yeah grandma joe ma joe was forced to ride in the back of the truck next like to her dead body her dead body next to hers the whole for like i don't know how many hours you know just so that you know they wouldn't get in trouble for uh you know 
finding a place to bury her. You know? Yeah, yeah. We're getting and then, past the state line, I guess. Yeah. And but um, yeah. The next one to leave was uh, Connie Rivers left Rosa Sharon, his pregnant wife, with the family, yeah. saying that he was going to go Biggest back and study for a job. Yeah, horrible guy. Uh, <laughs> not not like a Jode. The Jode men are strong men, strong farmer men, and you grow to really respect them. And then when you have such a bitch like Connie with them, yeah. it's like whatever. He was all talking about like uh, these plans about going to college and like going to like study. who the fuck needs college yeah. that shit's for nerds dude. don't be a nerd man yeah for sure follow California. tom jode's footsteps go to jail and get that fucking four-year <laughs> prison education motherfucker he doesn't know what it's like so nah he wouldn't last a second he'd be dropping the soap homie but yeah that affects uh rosa sharn pretty pretty heavily you know I mean, as it should. She's about to have her fucking kid, and, and she's know, living out of a ever, truck, pregnant, oh malnutrition, malnourished, not even, even eating full meals. Yeah, I mean, it, the, he just puts you. He he puts you in these situations that you would never like expect to be put in your whole life. You know, something like that happens. Rosa Sharn is just like so distraught throughout the rest of the book, always wondering where Connie's at. You know, and it has to. She kind of goes through like a breakdown. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, she definitely does go through a breakdown to the point where she's almost uh, sabotaging the family. Yeah. Well. Definitely. Like at one and, point she like yeah, puts a shotgun at yeah, Tom. Well, full on <laughs> sabotage the family. And it's it's sad to see, but you're also seeing, you know, a young woman who's pregnant who's forced but to her limits. Still you still You love her. It's you family still love shit. her. It's family like, shit. Yeah, exactly. You feel like they're part of your family after mm-hmm. reading the book for so long. And uh that's just an amazing uh that's an amazing feat the feat that um uh, Steinbeck can do for this book, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, it, the the characters are just great and we could go on for forever about like each different one because each one has their own story but i mean when we were talking about immortality and jitterbug perfume being the vehicle for the true story that's what the jode family is in this book it is so character driven but it's also they're just the vehicle to tell you the time period that existed yeah injustice also sticking together uniting as uh, as a as, as a family to to try to like uh push yeah. through hard times and another thing you notice in the book too is not just the way that the jode family unites but all of the okies in totality oh, like yeah. the people the travelers on the road they were so friendly with one another sharing caring would give them their last five cents their last nickel you know as, as majo said uh i'm probably gonna butcher this line i don't know if i can remember that well but when you're looking for help uh, ask an okie asking or ask someone that's poor you know oh yeah it was ask, ask somebody who's poor she didn't refer to herself as an okie yeah. they didn't claim the word like that they, they hated that they word, weren't a you know? my okie or nothing but yeah it's, it's, yeah it's just like uh yeah would have been cooler if they did yeah yeah i guess yeah yeah but it is so cool the way that uh you know all of the poor people unite and they set up government camps yeah where they're able to live and actually have you know hot water god forbid they have fucking hot water yeah i mean like also it's just it just shows you that like uh wherever there were no cops that's where they had the most peaceful time you know oh yeah <laughs> it's yeah. crazy because the cops would come and break up non-government they camps would and would start burn fights. yeah they would yeah. burn your tents down they would try to plant fights they at would, the government camps just to uh have a reason to break in there and mm-hmm. fuck with these people yeah at because they point, were scared of all of these people uniting and actually being able to do anything it's mm-hmm. typical and you know like totalitarianistic government yeah, if we're going you know back to orwell here I but almost feel like you know i was saying orwell for that book was kind of giving a warning for the future times i almost feel like he was kind of telling it how it, how it is at some point but that's just my conspiratorial oh we know uh, we know how you get when you start reading the orwell jano you get yeah. you get nuts. i got a telescreen in my room right now but uh i'll talk about that at some point later 
And going back to the running water, uh, one of like one of my favorite parts of the book was when Winfield went to the bathroom and flushed the toilet, and he never used a flush <laughs> toilet before. So he thought he broke the toilet because the water was going down. Yeah. And it was like, it's it's a good part in that book because through that, it tells you so many things that he has never used a flush toilet, that he's always been poor, that he's never really been around these type of things. And it's like, with just that, you know, simple excerpt, you get so much more to the character. Mm -hmm. And he does that well throughout. Like, they'll just say or do one thing and it will take make so much sense exactly. for it. Yeah. Well, especially with the other government camps as well. You realize when they go to the Hooverville camp, exactly mm -hmm. what the other uh, I guess Okies in the Hooverville camps would be uh, would be non-government camps yeah, where the police are, are allowed to just come fuck your shit up the Hooverville camps are so depressing because it's just the quality of life in the Hooverville camps are just horrible yeah and I'm gonna go ahead and uh, bring it kind of back to some characters here and back to like a main plot point so Jim Casey departed from the family pretty early on in the journey due to uh, some some smoke that went down at one of the Hooverville camps and he took the rap for it so that way Tom Joad you know somebody who's out on parole from prison wouldn't have to go to jail because Tom decided he wanted to tee off on a cop mm -hmm. so yeah, and I think Jim Casey wanted to go to jail too yeah he probably did because as it turned out Jim Casey kind of became a preacher once again for the free folk yeah not the kind of preacher that you would think because uh, he's like a jaded preacher in the beginning and then he realizes that you know his religion kind of turns into something more of uniting the people to stand up for basic human rights essentially and as you would expect the cops ain't cool with that no not at so, all so later on in the book tom and uh tom and jim are reunited Mm -hmm. And this part is so cool, dude. When uh, when Tom was wandering around in the uh, one of those Hooverville camps near mm -hmm. the end of the book, and he finds that tent, I'm like, you kind of feel like he's not gonna find. He's gonna find someone that's like a cop or something like that. And then yeah, Jim you Casey, were scared for him. They did give you like a creeping air yeah, suspicion that Tom yeah. was gonna get in trouble. And then Jim Casey pops out of the tent, and you're just like, oh hell yeah, dude. Oh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was fuck awesome. Some shit up. It was awesome. But uh, you know, shortly after seeing each other, some cops came to bust up the Hooverville, yeah. and Jim you know being the preacher of the free folk now decides to mouth off a little bit yeah I and mean, he just kind of he literally says you don't know what you're doing like and he didn't know what he did because he killed jim casey and yeah. my boy tom jode ain't just gonna let that shit slide tom because it's a dog for a dog in the jode yeah. house and yeah. tom killed that motherfucker literally bashes his head oh yeah he like made sure he was good and dead shit. and he was i thought it was Not cool too shovel. in the book because he was wondering if he killed the guy yeah. they described him hitting the motherfucker <laughs> over the head like three times but it was like such a, a like a fucking adrenaline like uh you know a crazy you know time you know like you something like that happens you don't know like what's going to happen i guess you know it's so fucking crazy like he just was like in a, a blind rage i guess and that's kind of his weakness i a little yeah bit, the, ho the hot temper i think yeah. it's the weakness of a lot of the jokes but that kind of brings us to the uh to like where really that was the climax of the book after that tom goes into exile is away from the family because he's in hiding from the cops the family completely falls apart mm -hmm. um they are just stretched to their limits from having no work they would drive from job to job to job not making enough to even pay for gas really yeah. and here is his family now with maybe four or five people left in it and they're just not even getting by yeah and then the last part of the book is super symbolic uh i mean very it's, symbolic. it's pretty it's, it's sexual. Pretty well known it's sexual it's and it's, sexual. it's something you could you know like scoff at and laugh at and i mean well, i'd be lying if i didn't say i got a little aroused i mean caleb likes to get a little you know but the last part books. of the book uh rosa sharon gives birth birth to a stillborn child and 
already, you know, going through the fact that her child that she's had in her for nine months came out dead, probably from malnutrition, probably from not the correct care of a pregnant woman. She has to seek refuge in a barn with the family because the rains are going down so heavy that they're not able to live in the uh, trailer that they're living in, which don't think of this as your traditional trailer. This is just a trailer on the land. There is no structure to it. They just needed to find some sort of shelter, but it floods too high for the trailer. And this is like the bleakest it's ever been for them at this point you know like they it's don't tough know what's and gonna happen. more than anything too because they lost really their leader and tom joad already mm. so the family flees to a barn to get out of the uh, cold rain where they find a boy and his father and the father is dying of starvation <laughs> dying is what he says he he looked like he was dying or i mean I, like the way it was written he looked like he was dying. i don't think so and the son was telling the family how his father was refusing to eat because he wanted the son to eat and couldn't provide enough for the both of them so here's this man willing to die of starvation just to keep working to keep his yeah. son fed it shows and you how like uh hard you know hard working the uh these people are the i yeah. guess the okies that are, have moved here and you know typical jode fashion they had to find a way to help the man he wasn't able yeah. to keep down solid food he wasn't able to uh ingest really any food at all at which point the son says if you know we had some milk maybe we could get him back and the book ends with rose of sharon after giving birth to a stillborn child breastfeeding this old man pretty brutal when you think you have nothing left to give you can always give your body <laughs> turns out the old man was moral just to this story that's what steinbeck was writing about baby and that's why i fuck with him yeah but in all seriousness that's like no God, it's so what a symbolic fucking, yeah what a touching ending and what a touching book yeah she literally gives sacrifices her own her own body to prolong the uh i guess to prolong i mean there's so many ways you can look at that like with symbolism unity. you could say you know here she is nursing this man back to health nursing somebody who is defeated like a baby back to you know being having the strength of a man mm-hmm. you could say here is somebody giving their last bit of themselves there's just so many ways to take it and it kind of is left to your interpretation because that's how the book ends you never know what the jode family comes to yeah I, if i could do probably one thing Jono, well. if I, if like I wish these were real people and I wish that I could travel back in time and just hand them a thousand dollars. God, can you imagine? Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah, the that's life what you were kind of like they wishing the whole time you read the book. Like, you're, just, yeah, God damn it. You're hoping they, they were going to hit the break, mega millions, you know? but they never bought a ticket. So, but you know, that's just the way life is. And that's super, it's very realistic fiction. Very, very realistic. Yeah, very realistic fiction. Uh, and uh, let's do like a little bit of title talk here. We haven't done it in a minute. Talk. Yeah, we haven't oh, brought the title boy. talk back in a while. Grapes of Wrath. But okay. the Grapes of Wrath. And Jono, yeah. I fucking love when. John Steinbeck would write about as long as the men keep their wrath they'll be able to overcome Mm. because he explicitly said this about these farmers these people who are so uh, disempoverished for them to keep their wrath against the men who are doing this to them yeah as long as they stand up you know I love that so good and it's uh it's got religious themes to the title as well because the grapes of wrath comes from an old hymn I believe uh, back in the 1800s but yeah there's a very very a lot of allusions to what the title could be referring to a lot of people can come to the conclusion that it's about uh, the grapes of wrath uh, the grapes of California and the like wrath the Okies of the are symbolized I've heard this before they become grapes that are filled with so much wrath that they explode you know with with anger or they wither away or they into wither a away raisin until up, Rose's yeah. Sharon whips out them titties and gives you that sweet milk yeah that's the moral of the story all right John now 
This has so, been a fun uh, one. This yeah, has been an awesome well, fucking book. Who's your favorite character, real quick? Because oh, I was you always hit me with this that. question. Yeah. I always forget. These. I want to. Yeah, I want to. Jim see Casey, it. no doubt. Okay, yeah, me too. And uh, me too. Jim Casey. <laughs> so let's let's talk about like probably our favorite part about Jim Casey. He is the uh, jaded preacher who left the religion, really. Yeah. And he was telling Tom Joad early in the book that he would late he would uh, baptize women in a okay. creek by their home. This is your favorite part about. And him. immediately after, <laughs> he would go and have sex with these young virgin girls that he just baptized because he said the devil was jumping out of them right when they did something good is when they wanted to do the most wrong nice yeah it's a fucking cool part and i'm yeah. not saying like i was like i mean that's, I, okay that's i was a little turned on i guess <laughs> i guess i was a little turned on whatever you're turned on you'd like literally, yeah jim I mean, casey's every... that motherfucker though i mean he's the guy who started up that strike he's the guy who was he... mouthing off he's the one who put in tom Jode because tom Jode, you know with him going into exile he pretty much says that he's going to take over the role of a Jim Casey. Jim Casey is the influence for Tom Joad. You know? Tom Joad, I think, is kind of like the uh, achievement of Jim Casey because after he kills the cop and goes into exile, he tells his mom that he wants to be like Jim Casey. He wants to lead these exactly. free folk. Yeah. And I think I like to think that Tom Joad achieved a lot of good things in his life after this book concluded. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that he did the things that Jim Casey uh, wasn't able to because Tom Joad is a leader. Yeah. You know, and after this book... I mean, I guess in the 30s, you know, there were a lot more uh, unions that were started that helped some of these situations that caused a lot of these uh, poor conditions for uh, Okies, Midwesterners, or, or, or just people in general that were suffering through the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this book is is kind of like a, just a shout out to anyone that's going through like like a horrible time like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but So, John, that's going to bring me to our final question of the day for you, bud. What's Rate that? the book, buddy. 10 out of 10, dude. And I got to echo that. It is a 10 out of 10. That's it's an not echo? echo rating right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. I'm not going to say uh, it's in my top five or anything, but the book couldn't be better. It's a 10. It's number two in my top five. There you go. John has got a sixth book in the top five in the first nine episodes. <laughs> fuck yeah baby no it's a it's a fucking classic we i fucking you should definitely read it you got only read read of mice and men give this book a chance it's fucking awesome it's really good yeah this book's this book's amazing couldn't recommend it enough what a fucking classic definitely gonna read some more steinbeck just to see what else he uh what else he fucks with so but guess what babies (laughs) we do a podcast once a week so that means there's another one coming out next week oh so i guess we have to weed something Jono, this week we're going to read Cat's Cradle by my favorite author in the entire world, KV, Kurt Vonnegut, baby. Oh, shit. So everybody get your fucking books open, grab your bookmark, or don't just read it in one sitting if you're not a pussy. Or just read the last chapter. And read Cat's Cradle. Until next time, in the words of Jono, smell you later.